Psalm 122 and verse number 1. Psalms 122 and verse number 1. There's a Bible there in the chair back in front of you, and the verses will also appear on the screens as well. Those who are able, if you'll stand uh, for the reading of God's Word, Psalms 122 and verse number 1. The Bible says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Let's pray. Dear Lord, uh, uh, something that's very, very important, um, and uh, we'll, we'll do that uh, right here. Let's jump in and pray. Lord, we ask for your help and your favor. We pray you bless. <coughs> Lord, please guide and direct our words and our thoughts, and we pray that you'd speak to every heart, bring correction, Lord, and challenge, and uh, Lord, instruction and encouragement, Lord, where needed. We pray you'd help us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We, uh, we have mentioned uh, several things and, um, from David. And, of course, David was said to have been a man after God's own heart. And I think one of the greatest reasons is probably because church was so important to us, uh, to him. And uh, we know that it was a proper place for possessions and that David, even though when God told him he wasn't going to build his house, he said, I'm not going to let that deter me and I'm going to lay up for those who are coming after me. Always remember, a lot of times what you give for, you'll never see the results. Sometimes that gets a little frustrating, you know. Um, we, I, I got a letter this week from uh, um, our missionaries, the Lagos in uh, Be Cool, uh, Philippines, and uh, he detailed the work with uh, particularly the proclaimers, which are those uh, uh, recorded devices that play the New Testament in uh, the, the local languages, and they're playing in several areas. I don't see it, but I'm glad to know that our money is going towards something like that. And more than that, we won't see the results of that. Many things you will never see the results of in this life. Um, you know, the guy that gave my dad a gospel track, he's been dead for a number of years. But I'm in church tonight, preaching in a church tonight, thousands of miles from that location as a result of that gospel track. He didn't know that when he handed out that gospel track. Some of you are here tonight. You're the result of somebody uh, doing something uh, in that regard that invited you to church, invited your family to church, and so on and so forth. And so, But David understood, I'm not going to let the fact that it may not be right there in front of me deter me from giving, and so a proper place uh, for his possessions. Then we saw that it was a proper place for God's blessing. Um, the Bible is very clear about it being a place where thine honor dwelleth. Then a proper place to give God his uh, preeminence, a proper place to hear from him, and uh, David said that that was one thing that he desired, one thing that he definitely sought after. And then uh, we mentioned a proper place to remain. By remain, we mean staying faithful. Now, uh, I want to move into these next couple, uh, a proper place to develop uh, relationships. Uh, David kept company with those who had like desires. And then uh, last time we met, I think two weeks ago, we talked about this one. I can come regardless of my uh, condition. We gave the examples of three. The, in Luke, we gave the example of the widow with her two mites, and that is with little possessions. And you look across the, in any church, typically you run the gamut. Those are uh, those who are in different stages of their life spiritually and sometimes in different stages of their life financially. Some people have a little bit more what the world will typically use the phrase discretionary income. Some of you can give greatly to missions. Some of you can't. 
And uh, it, sometimes the reason you can't is just because where you're at in life um, and uh, responsibilities and, and bills and so forth. Sometimes it's a result of decisions we've made and things, but, but many times it's just, hey, it's where we're at. Um, but, but God knows who can do what they can do. And each of us, uh, uh, each of us will be held accountable accordingly. But I can come regardless of my condition. So we talked about the widow with her two mites, and that is little possessions. Then we talked about the publican with his sins, and that is a little piety, meaning he didn't have any spirituality about him at all. It was like almost, why am I doing, what am I doing here? I don't belong here. I don't fit in. Uh, sometimes we, uh, we feel that way spiritually. Um, and, and everybody here is a sinner. That's a news bulletin right there. Um, and your sins are not any better than anybody else's or any worse than anybody else's. We're all sinners. We don't want to get in the habit or the custom of measuring and quantifying sins. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not any better than anybody else, and, and I'm a sinner. And so it's important to understand that. So we see the publican with his sin. And then the third thing we noticed was Simeon uh, with his hope, and that is a little prayer. He was nearing the end of his life, and it was at that moment probably where I'm sure he wondered, is God going to come through? Sometimes, when you, sometimes in the Christian life, you wonder if God's going to come through. Sometimes you, you wonder, and there's something about human nature, and, and hope is one of the strongest, uh, strongest things for survival anyway. I mean, we, just, we typically in life, we're always hoping it's going to get better. We hope uh, this relationship's going to get better. We hope our health's going to get better. We hope our finances are going to get better. We're always hoping. I hope. I hope. Sometimes it turns out. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, you know, uh, it just, that's, that's just the way it is. Uh, you know, I, I'm reading uh, plenty of books on history, and uh, one of the greatest things that kept people alive during very difficult times was hope. They just, they just hope. And you don't ever want to lose that. But in the Christian life, it's easy for us to wonder. Some of you have been praying for the same thing for years, and you don't have the answer yet. And the typical reaction is, I'm going to bail. I'm going to stop praying. That doesn't even get anyway. I don't even know why I bother. Now, I hope I'm not the only one that's ever wondered that or asked that, because sometimes we do. And, and you have a need, a burden, a problem maybe that's pressing on your heart, and you're thinking, boy, am I ever going to get an answer? Is God hearing me? Is God listening to me? Is he going to give me the answer to this prayer? And sometimes it just feels like it keeps getting kicked down the road, so to speak. Uh, well, we see Simeon near the end of his life, and he said, I rejoice to see this. He said, I, I don't think he, he didn't express it this way, at least in the language of Scripture. But I think in his mind, he had to wonder, now I can see the Lord because, you know, I, I've waited all this time, and I wasn't sure it was coming, but now mine eyes have seen salvation. And he understood what the coming of Christ meant. And it was the promise of the Messiah. Then, the next thing that I want to cover is, uh, um, I want to look at 1 Timothy chapter number 4 and verse 1, and we'll jump right into this one. Now, the Bible says, now the Spirit speaketh expressly, that in the latter time some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. I want to notice that first phrase particularly, now the Spirit speaketh expressly. You realize that every time you come to church, God has something for you. And it doesn't matter whether, you know, it doesn't matter who's preaching. It doesn't matter what's, what text is preached. It doesn't matter what illustrations are given. It doesn't matter what the points are. God always has something for you. I, I say it many times. It's not like you show up and, and God says, well, I didn't know they were coming. I didn't have anything for them. It, it, it doesn't work that way in the house of God. God will have something for you every time you come to church. That's why one of the, one of the things that you should always do when you come to church is pray, 
speak, Lord, thy servant heareth. That puts you, number one, in a position to hear, and number two, it puts the onus, if you will, on the Lord. Hey, I'm ready. Go ahead. Say what you want. Now, the problem is you've got to be willing to hear what he says. And many times in life, we always think, we think several things. Number one, we think we know better. Number two, we think we're the exception. You know, I, was, I, I shared a little bit on this, uh, this story uh, um, that, that I most recently read on the, the Donner Party. And I'm trying to remember the name of it. I think it was the, uh, and what was it, babe? What was the title of that? Indeterminate Stars Above, I think, is, was, the, was the name of the book. Daniel James Brown was the author. And I've read several of his books. But on this one in particular, there were several things that this party knew. Number one, the last point that they traveled, traveling west, before they embarked out was St. Joseph, Missouri. That was the frontier back in those days, in the 1840s. When, when their saga occurred, that was uh, when you hit Missouri, man, you were on your own. And uh, much of the land was not settled at that time. But people who had traveled out west, and particularly those who had crossed the Rocky Mountains and then getting over into uh, the mountains across the northwest or the west coast in California, you had to leave. Everybody told them, they said, you got to leave St. Joseph, Missouri no later than May 1st or you won't make it. And everybody knew that. It was, it was standard. May 1st, if you're not out of St. Joe's, Missouri, don't even try it. Well, the Donner Party left May 23rd, 22 days later. The distance they're traveling is 1,700 miles, and they're traveling on foot, horseback, mules, wagons. It's still amazing to me the hardiness of that generation of people that would take wagons across the Rocky Mountains. I just, I just cannot imagine it. Many of those places, in reading how they did it using chains and, and pulleys and mules, and they would take, it's just staggering to think how they could accomplish that. But, but they did, and so they knew, don't leave after May 1st, but they did anyway. And I guarantee when they left, they hoped they'd make it. In fact, when they left, hazarding their entire family, we're talking children, some of the, some of the children that were traveling were just months old. Entire families, we're going to make it. We're going to be okay. Why? But you were told, don't leave after May 1st, May 23rd. Yeah, I know, but we were three weeks. We're going to pick up time, and they thought the weather would be good, and there was all kinds of different things came into play, and I'm not going to get into all of that. But the fact is, when you come to church and God speaks to you, you can sit there and say, yeah, I know, that's true most of the time. But I am going to be the exception. Then they got to a place where they had to make a decision whether to go to take the northern route or the southern route. The northern route took them to Oregon. There were several people who said, go that way, it's quicker, it's safer, it's easier, it's not, as, it's not as tough. And by the way, it was true for many of the settlers to come up and where, you, where they broke off at a pass, you could take the northern route and it shaved many miles off and it was less taxing on you. And so they said, go to Oregon first. If you want to come down to California, do that. So, so, they, so a lot of them did. They got to that place and they made a decision. They listened to a guy who told them, I know a shortcut. And they took his directions, his instructions, and his instructions took them 40 miles further. 40 miles further doesn't sound like a big deal, unless it's across mountains, in feet of snow, and you're traveling with mules, and and you're traveling in wagons. And of course, 87 people, 40 of them perished. And it's it's just a heartbreaking story, and you, you know all the particulars about it. And there's even marks there at Donner Summit as you cross uh, the interstate coming through there in Northern California. But those are people who knew what to do. They got the instruction. They had talked to, there were even books that were published about the westward migration. 
And you would read these books, and they'd say, this is how you want to do it. This is the route you want to take. You want to avoid this. You want to avoid these, uh, these uh, uh, topographical uh, objects. You want to go around this. You want to, here's where the Indians are. You want to kind of steer clear of this. You, they would, everything. And so they read these journals, but they still went against what they were taught. And you know, I, I can tell you this. You know, at 56 years of age, most of the time when I've gotten into trouble, it's because I've went against those things. It's because I knew better and did it anyway. And the landscape of humanity is paved with people who've made horrible decisions when they knew better. You see, coming to church is a wonderful thing, but if you, don't, if you do not listen, and I'm not talking about listening to me, because the wonderful thing about the Holy Spirit is He, he can talk to Katie and Alex about some, something completely different than Danny over here. It's totally different. Because they're going through something completely different, and you're going through something completely different, and I use those because it's on either side of the auditorium. But the fact is, every person in here tonight is going through something, some stage, some point in your life, in your family, in your, in your spiritual growth, in your walk with God. Somebody tonight is, is far from God, but you came. You came out of a sense of duty. Maybe you came because you wanted to be a good example for your family. Whatever reason, you came to the right place, by the way. But when you come to church, you can sit there and say, I know that's true, but. And see, for the Donner part, for the Donner Party, I know May 1st is true, but May 23rd. And if you could go back and fix that, I guarantee you, that entire party would have stayed in St. Joe's, Missouri. They said, we'll put it off till next year. Because they, they could not see down the road. And one thing that you and I have to understand is God's given his word as a pattern of instruction for us to follow. It's just like he told the nation of Israel. He said, here's where I want you to go. Well, here's what we want to do. And so they spent 40 years till that entire generation was killed off. And it didn't work well for them. And every time you and I will go against the direction and lead of the Holy Spirit in our life, it always ends up poorly. But we often think, I know better. I'm the exception. I know the difference. Um, so let me say this, uh, several things about that. I can come knowing there is something for me. Number one, the Spirit will always speak directly. The Spirit will always speak directly. What does that mean? He means to you. You know, sometimes we make the mistake. I, I've done it, so I use me as an example. <laughs> I've been in church before. In fact, I've been in church before listening to someone preach or when I have been speaking and thought, boy, that would been good if so-and-so was here. That could have really helped them. Anybody ever thought that? Am I the only one? Come on, put your hands up there. All right, I see that hand. All of you just said you'd give an extra 100. No, I'm kidding. Um, I have been in church, and literally I thought, man, that would have been perfect for them to hear. And it's like, did you not think God had that for you too? Did you think that message was tailored just for them? In fact, God knew long before you were ever on the scene, that they weren't even going to be here to hear it. And maybe because of, you know, technology, they have the opportunity to download it and archive it and look at it later. But the fact is, God knows already. And so when you and I are sitting in church, we can make the mistake many times, saying, boy, I wish so-and-so was here. It's like the Holy Spirit is, hello, I, I have something for you. And so the Word of God speaks to you directly. It doesn't beat around the bush. He, he will call you and deal with that very thing. If I were to, uh, for instance, let's just assume that everybody here tonight has a besetting sin. 
The Bible says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. So let's assume everybody does, okay? And I'm just taking that on the authority of Scripture. So if I started naming sins, I, I mean, by the way, I don't even have to name any, but probably, even as I make that statement, that assessment, probably many of you, the Holy Spirit's already reminded you of yours. What about this? And, and, and it could be anything. It could be something that some might take. Oh, that's not a big deal. But it is what the Spirit of God brought it to your attention. It, and it may, so, someone, might, someone might look at, if you started listening, someone might look at those and think, dude, if that's all you got, man, I'd like to trade. And someone else might be struggling with something that, that we might view as very weighty and heavy. But the point is this. Every time you come to church, God knows what you need, and He begins to speak directly to you. There are people in here that are, again, on any given day are going through tough, tough things in their life. Sometimes it's doubting. Sometimes it's wondering. Sometimes it's fear. Sometimes it's uh, uncertainty. Sometimes it's relationships. Sometimes it is finances, wondering if we're even going to make it. Sometimes it's health, hoping you get a good report from a doctor, hoping you get good word. And it could be any number of things, fearful for your children and hoping that they turn out right and make good decisions, any number of things. But every person here tonight is dealing with something. God says, I want to help you with that tonight. Every time we come to church, you have to understand that God says, I have something for you directly. Second thing, I have something deliberately, and by that I mean clearly. God doesn't beat around the bush. One thing my, I can remember as a, as a boy helping my dad with different things is my dad would always very, very, very clearly and deliberately give instructions. And he said, I'm not going to beat around the bush with you. And he said, I don't have time to play games. That's typically what my dad I don't have time to play games. And he'd tell me how to do something. Or he'd say, if I told you once, I told you a thousand times. I don't know whether he actually told me a thousand times, but I guarantee you he told me more than once. But he'd say, I'm, I'm talking to you, and I, and I want you to hear this, and I, want, I expect you to do it as I'm telling you to do it. That's, and so dad would give these instructions, and he'd say, this is how you do this. This is how you use this tool, this is what, whatever it might have been. But it was always very, very clear. Now, there's sometimes where... It didn't seem as clear to me, but usually the problem was not the communication. The problem was I wasn't listening. Usually it was, you know, that's why Dad would say, are you listening? And if the Spirit of God were to deal with us that way, he'd probably say to some of us from time to time in a church service, he'd say, hey, you, are you listening? Did you hear anything? Now, God doesn't deal with us that way. But he might say, did you hear anything I just said? And I don't believe the Holy Spirit would say that to us. I think he comes to that still small voice. Now, my dad would have said, did you hear anything I just said? And I knew right then, what? What? You know, it's like a, you know, a fellow's talking to his wife, and she says, you know, did you hear anything I just said? And he says, that's a terrible way to start a conversation. But, you know, some of you didn't get that. That's okay. You can figure it out later. But, you know, it, it, it's the idea. I've been talking to you and giving you some instruction for some time. Did you get, did you get any of it? Because the fact is, some of us are struggling with things tonight that God's been dealing with us with for a very long time. And you talk about the long-suffering of God. And I don't even know what it is, but I guarantee you, man, the Spirit of God has spoken to you very, very clearly. Directly, first of all. Deliberately, meaning clearly. Then thirdly, decisively. What does that mean? God wants you to do something about it. God wants you to do something about it. You don't have to. You know, wonderful thing about the Holy Spirit, you, come, you can come and do nothing. You really can. It's pretty amazing. God will let you come to church and do nothing. 
I mean, he will. He, 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 he will encourage you. He will speak to you, and, and there'll be that, that wooing and drawing and leading the Holy Spirit, but he's not going to beat you over the head. Now, conviction may become great in your heart and life, and it should be. I wouldn't want to get to the place in life where I didn't hear him speak anymore because you can grieve the Holy Spirit. But when you come to church, God expects you to do something with what you've heard. It would, be, it would be akin to going to a doctor and the doctor giving you a report and saying, no, this is what you need to do. You need, you need to follow these procedures. Yeah, it's probably right for most people, but I'm going to go ahead and do this. I, you know, and sometimes, particularly if it's a huge medical procedure, sometimes people say, well, I'm going to get a second opinion. I'm going to get a third opinion or whatever, and, and I'm not discouraging that at all. But you can't, you can't play that game with God. It's not like God can say, this is how you ought to rear your children. Yeah, okay, I mean, here, here's what God says about it. Here's what the Word of God says about it. But I'm going to go get another opinion. I'm going to see what so-and-so says. I'm going to see what so God doesn't play that game. You get all the opinions you want medically. Get all the answers you want so you can have all the information you need. But at the end of the day, God's Word, forever, O Lord, thy Word is settled in heaven. And so it's not up for negotiation. God doesn't negotiate with sinners. And by the way, that's all of us. So when God speaks to you, he says, I want you to do something about it. You know, I, I was thinking about this earlier this week. I wonder, and you know, this is just me thinking, but I wondered how different my life might be had I responded positively every time God prompted my heart. What if, what if I got so used and so accustomed to hearing his voice that every time he moved me to do something, I never resisted. I heard a mother one time say uh, uh, about a child, and the child, was, the child was an adult, the child was getting married, and they said this with tears in their eyes as they were introducing some of the family and all, and we were, we were there at the wedding, and they said, I can say this one thing about my daughter. And, uh, and the mother said, In 20-something years, my daughter has never given me one cause of concern or one ounce of trouble. Now, that's that's a pretty strong statement. And, of course, you know, the mother, you know, maybe she, I don't know, maybe she forgot everything, I don't know. But, you know, on the wedding day, everything seems awful, awful good, right? Okay, I mean, but, but she made that statement. I thought, boy, what a statement for a mom to make about a daughter. What would God say about your response time? You know, sometimes we hear about, uh, well, you know, I called the police and their average response time, depending on where you're at, what your situation is. If you live close to a police station or things like that or fire department, response time is typically pretty good. And so you say, well, the average response for a policeman is, you know, I don't know, what is it, seven minutes, eight minutes, I don't know, what, 10 minutes, I, I, I don't know. Some of you would know that. Uh, Adam, you'd probably know from your days as a firefighter, and you, you, you know what those things are, and a lot of it depends logistically on where you're at and how far they have to go, but there is an average number. But can you imagine if God said, well, I'll tell you one thing about Stuart. When I think of him, I'm reminded of how many times I've told him to do something, I've encouraged him to do something, and how quickly he was to obey. Now, I'm going to tell you this, I don't think, I don't think that's what God would say. So I'm using me as the example. But I want you to put yourself in that position and say, what would God say? 
How many times, listen, let me ask you this. How many times have you said in church, God told you to go to the altar and you said no? That wasn't let you directly and, and you said absolutely. It wasn't that it was an adamant, vehement no and I, I will not stop asking. It wasn't anything like that. It was just that our hearts sometimes get so, so callous towards the Holy Spirit that, uh, you know, it's like that, uh, I, I remember when I was a boy, we used to go, there was this creek we used to go camping at. See, I actually went camping, Robert, a long time ago, uh, back in the day. But, and we'd go camping sometimes down there, and there was this huge rope swing. And it was a tire just across the, just across the, the creek, and it was a small river, really. And uh, so, so somebody would, uh, uh, you know, climb up the tree and, and loosen it at the top because it was ours, so we had it quite a ways up there so nobody would bother it and mess with it because we had pulled it there, and we wanted, you know, nobody mess with our tire. It's our tire. And uh, so we'd loosen it, come down, and one guy would get on it and, and swing it across, and, and as soon as it got there, you had to grab it right then. Because if you didn't, if you, if you thought, well, I don't know if I can get it, the very next time, it's not going to be as close. And then eventually, if you, if you continue to not make that move to that rope swing, just because of the law of physics, it's going to be harder and harder to reach it. You know what happens sometimes in the Holy Spirit? There are probably some of us here tonight that God has said, would you go, would you go, would you go, would you go? That's why some people in church, well, I never feel led to go. I worry less about what was preached and more about my response. You know, in fact, if, if you would be sitting here tonight and say, I never do feel led to go, then come to the altar and say, God, would you break my heart so I do? I don't ever, I don't ever, you know, uh, as a parent, I would always want my children to be responsive to their father. I wouldn't want them to be resistant. I wouldn't want them to be cold. I wouldn't be, want them to be turned against me. I would, I would want to, I'll say it this way. Sometimes we hear it said this way. I'd want to have their heart. I, I would want to, when I made a suggestion or I, I offered some counsel or some advice, I'd want it to matter to them. I, I would want what their father was saying to hold some weight and credence. I would want to be able to look at their life and look down the road and say, I can help you with this if you'll let me. I'd want to have my child's heart. Every parent here, whether your, your children are grown or, or you're not, you've not yet had children, you, you understand what I'm saying. I, I'd want that. Boy, I'd, I'd hope that I had that. How do you think God the Father felt when you came to his house today? This morning or tonight or Thursday or next week when you show up, you came to your heavenly Father's home. He has something for you, and he says, I'm going to speak directly. It's going to be so clear and deliberate, and it's going to be decisive, and that means you got to do something about it. You don't have to. He's not going to force your hand, because God will always let you make the decisions you want. You know, a simple example is God loved Cain and Abel both the same, but he allowed Cain to make the choice that he did. God does not interrupt your bad choices. He just tells you not to make them. And he tries to lead and guide so that you don't, but he's never going to stop you from making those bad choices. There's no question God loved Lot. God said he vexed his righteous soul with the conversation of the wicked. God loved Lot. But he didn't say, in all the instruction that Lot had, Lot still made the wrong choice. And God let him make the wrong choice. He didn't prevent that. 
And so many times we think, well, boy, if I do this, God's going to stop me. No, no, no. He's going to instruct you. He's going to give you counsel. He's going to give you wisdom. But it's up to you to follow through. And so when the Spirit of God speaks to us, let me ask you this. What's your response time? Okay, because I, again, I'm, I'm, I'm not uh, unwilling to use me as an example. There have been times when I've been sitting in church, Spirit of God has spoke to my heart, and I've said, yeah. No, no, I, uh, in fact, most of the time, I'll do it here. Let's do it here. I mean, what's so wrong with doing it here? I mean, at least I'm praying. <laughs> Am I alone? Am I on some island? I don't think so. And I'm not, trying to get, I'm not trying to elicit a huge invitation at any time. I'm just saying I believe with all of my heart that God says, I'm going to speak to you. It's going to be very direct. It's going to be deliberate. And it's going to be decisive. You need to make a move. In other words, the ball's in your court. What are you going to do about it? I, I, didn't, I hope I'm getting that across because it has so convicted me. I don't, I, let me say this. Boy, this is going to sound unkind. I don't mean this unkind, but I'm going to say it, okay? So if, if you think I'm being ugly or mean, I'll just say it this way. None of us are so good a Christian that we don't need the altar. And I don't mean that mean. I'm talking to me. There's not a one of us that are so good a Christian that we don't need the altar. No one. A a time of confession, a time of correction. None none of us. Does that that make sense? And I realize that mom said, in all these years, never going to be an ounce of trouble, you know, yada, yada, yada. But that, her, her daughter, I'm, sure, I, I'm not saying she was perfect or anything like that, but, but her daughter was a sinner just like everybody else is. And probably in the, in the glow of the moment, she's thinking nothing but, you know, happy thoughts. Oh, you know, bless her heart. She looks so beautiful. We've looked for this day for all these years. But I'm thinking, yeah, there, I guarantee there are some boogers in that kid's life. You know? And in our spiritual lives and in the Christian life, God says, I'm speaking. Are you going to do something about it? And then, fourthly, we see directly to you and me, deliberately, clearly, decisively, and that is to make a move and directionally what to do. God never leaves you in the fog. Now, He doesn't always tell you all the answers. He doesn't. You know, uh, Moses, He told him, take your feet off, or take your feet off, <laughs> yeah, take shoes off. <laughs> all right, make fun, go ahead. Take shoes off because you're on holy ground. Usually it's my girls and they say, Dad, did you hear what you said? Or, or I'm looking at them and they're laughing. If I say something, nobody else catches it and they catch it. They're, they're so spiritual. They always remind me about those things. But uh, so, so here's Moses. And Moses wants to see God and God says no. Um, here's Paul, arguably the greatest Christian in the New Testament. And it always amazes me. Paul, if you want to say it this way, if anybody deserved to have their prayers answered, it would have been the Apostle Paul. We're talking about a guy who's going to ultimately be beheaded for his life, for his faith. And so he's asking God to remove this thorn in the flesh, and he gets a no. Now, me, humanly speaking, I got to tell you, I don't get it. Is that too honest? I'm just saying I don't comprehend it. I'm not saying God's wrong because God is just. God God, God, God can do whatever he wants to do. But I'm thinking, here's the Apostle Paul. 
And he's asking God to take care of this, and God doesn't give him the answer in the affirmative. He doesn't do it. Here's Job, the, the greatest Christian, probably of the Old Testament era. And he, he's so good of an example that God throws him to the devil. He says, Hast thou considered my servant Job? There's none like him. One, no one on the face of the earth who fears God and eschewed evil. And he said, In fact, go ahead, take everything you want from him. You could take everything, including physically harming him, just can't take his life. Can you imagine if God did that? Wow. And the Bible says about Job, and all this Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. Though everybody else doubted what was going on in his life. See, when God speaks, it's always very clear, and he never leaves you hanging. He doesn't always give the exact answer about what's coming next. I go back to the Apostle Paul. Here he is, Acts chapter 9, verse 6. Probably a watershed conversion story. He's thrown from his horse. I don't know anybody who ever got saved getting thrown from a horse. I've been thrown from a horse, and it's not a pleasant thing. But, you know, I didn't, I didn't see a light from heaven. I may have seen a flash of light. I don't know what it was, but uh, that was from hitting the post and the, and the barbed wire. Um, I remember that very, very plainly. But here's Saul, rode to Damascus, boom, gets thrown off his horse. I saw a light from heaven, as bright as the noonday sun. And he tells that testimony over and over and over. But there in Acts chapter 9, he asks the question, Lord, what will I have me to do? And God doesn't give him the full list. He says, arise, go into the city, and it shall be told thee. In other words, God said to Paul, who was Saul at that point, he said, keep going, I'll tell you later. You know, you may not get an answer tonight for what's ailing you, but you know what God says? Come back next week. That's not what I'm saying. That's what God says. You say, well, I didn't hear it. I, I've been expecting an answer, and so I'm done. Really? That's the extent of our Christian life. And, and Paul, you know, that answer worked for him. And you and I have to learn in the Christian life, sometimes it has to work for us. And we don't keep coming because we always get everything we want every time we go. We keep coming because God said, keep coming. Keep coming. There's a lot of reasons for it. We won't get into it tonight for sake of time. But I want us to make sure we understand this point pretty clearly, and that is this. There will always be something for you in church. Always. God wants to speak directly to you. He wants to speak deliberately and make it clear. He wants to speak decisively so that you and I make a move. And then fourthly, directionally, because he wants us to make a move. I'll give one last verse and we'll be done. The Bible says, Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whosoever he, whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. One thing that has always been clear, always been clear in my Christian life, is I usually have never wondered what to do. I've just typically lacked the faith to follow through. God's pretty clear. There's some things about, about faith and walking with God that are, that are crystal clear in the Bible. It's up to us whether or not we choose to respond. When you walk in the doors, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Thursday night, connection group class, whatever it is, you ought to walk in with a heart that says, I'm here because I want to hear from you. I know you have something for me. Would you please speak to me? Would you give me the courage to do what it is you're asking me to do? Would you give me the character to follow through that decision? God has something for everyone every time they come to church.
Always. Always. Shall we stand?